We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. We're going to be dealing with verses. I'm sorry? Yeah. It's right up close to the front. We're going to be dealing with verses 1 through 13. We won't read them all, but we'll, we'll jump into the different verses and <clears throat> kind of discuss what we're talking about here. And I want to talk about your response to your responsibility. Your response to your responsibility. What, what does it mean? What is your response? Response is the, when you answer a call. Think about a response to anything. It's when you answer a call. So responsibility is your ability to respond or your ability to answer a call. So that's what responsibility is. So let's talk about answering the call and your ability to answer the call. You know, we were, we were created uh, for a purpose, our particular purpose. And as a Christian, you and I have a responsibility to accept that purpose. You know, a lot of times people will go and they'll, they'll want to be a Christian. They just don't want to res- accept the responsibility or the ability to respond to the purpose, to the call. And so we want to talk about the fact that we have a responsibility. There's a call that we're responsible to answer to, and we have the ability. God gives us that ability to answer that call, and he wants us to respond to it because there's an accomplishment he wants us to have in our life according to that purpose and that call. God doesn't do things randomly or haphazardly. There's always a reason, a purpose for why God calls us and brings us to that responsibility. In Genesis chapter 1, if you go through the chapter, you find that God created everything for you and me. He created everything for you and me. Look, look at the whole premise of chapter 1, and we won't go through it. In chapter 2, you find that we were created to live, not to exist. When you read chapter, you were created to live, not exist. In other words, what is the difference there? To live is to have a purpose. To exist is simply to be. To live is to have a purpose. To exist is simply to be. So in Genesis chapter, chapter 3, you're going to find that there's this enemy that's trying to steal away the purpose that God's called you for. He's trying to steal it away. He's trying to keep you from progressing in God. That's what he wants to do. So we're going to look at chapter 3 at the response Adam and Eve had as a result of their fall. No matter what goes on in your life, you always have a response. You always have a response. So understand that. When we look at Adam and Eve's response to their fall, it really equates to us. We're the descendants of Adam and Eve. So the response to the fall that they had equates to our lives, and we have a response to the fall. We're all fallen human beings. Because of that, there has to be a response to that, and there's a responsibility. God calls No man cometh to God except the Spirit call him. And so there's a responsibility that you have just simply in answering the call of the Spirit. Just because God calls us doesn't mean we're saved, right? The responsibility is to answer that. Okay, so just to get your mindset on what we're talking about here. So here's the first thing we find out about Adam and Eve. They chose personal purpose over God's purpose. They chose personal purpose 
over God's purpose. Let's, let's look at verse 6 in chapter 3. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for good, was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So they decided to make now have a personal purpose rather than God's purpose. They got sidetracked with the idea of gaining wisdom. They got sidetracked with the idea of something that looked good. They, they, got, they got sidetracked. They got sidetracked with the understanding of who they were. God had already provided everything they'd already needed. They didn't need any new wisdom. God had already given them what they needed. But they got sidetracked. They got sidetracked on who God was and who God is. He's their creator, their father, and everything around them was made and created by him for them. They were living in a place where everything was there, everything they needed. They had no need of anything, but they got sidetracked but by their own personal purpose. They actually chose, here's the crazy thing. They had everything and they chose nothing. They had eternal life and they chose death. When you, when you use personal purpose and you operate under personal purpose rather than God's purpose, you're going to have nothing and you're going to choose death. You can't help it. It started with Adam and Eve and it's going to go till this thing's over. Every one of us has a godly purpose. Every one of you has a godly purpose, a reason for living. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling. Not only is your calling a calling, it's holy. The word holy means separate. Not according to our works. We're not called according to our works. In other words, our abilities, our, our, the way we, who we think we are, but according to His own purpose and grace. Your call and our call and our purpose is according to His grace and His purpose. Listen to this. Which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Your purpose and your calling was given to you through Jesus before this. So not only was Jesus crucified before the foundations of the world, but what He would do in His life was purposed in you before this world ever began. Now, that's getting pretty deep. That's getting pretty heavy. God had already purposed in your life His will and His desire for what He wanted you to do in the time that you lived in. We understand that we are here to glorify God, right? That's what We're in this world to glorify or to magnify God. The reason God made us is to have a relationship, and what we do in this world is to magnify who God is, glorify who God is, to know Him and to serve Him. But you have to understand that your purpose is not the same purpose that Adam and Eve had. Now, don't get sidetracked on purposes because your purpose is different than the purpose of Adam and Eve. You're not going to name any of creation. That's already done, right? That was part of their purpose. Adam, part of his purpose was to name creation. You're you're not going to walk here on this earth. You're never going to walk with God in the Garden of Eden. It's not going to happen. The garden is hidden away. It's gone. That was Adam and Eve's purpose. 
So understand that you have a purpose selected specific for, specifically for you, God knowing the time you were going to be here. God knew when you were going to be born, who you would be born to, where you were going to live, how you were going to live your life, where you were going to live your life at. And so his purpose, his will, is according to your time now. To your time now. Let that, let that sink in. It's specific to 20. 20. It's specific. <clears throat> God didn't broad brush your life. He specifically chose every single day. And he purposed in your life every single day of your specific life. See, many people have parents or spouses or someone in their life who have this strong desire for, the, for you to do something or be someone in life. You, did you have anybody in your Family that they wanted you to be a doctor, or wanted you to be a lawyer, or wanted you to be a preacher, or wanted you to be this, or wanted you to be that. Or maybe your spouse is looking, I don't care that you're this, I want you to be this. You're wasting your talents. <clears throat> it's amazing how many talents spouses know about. We think we know the talents. God understands and knows the talents. Someone, <clears throat> there are people in our lives that they, they want us to have status. You know, your parent, you're, as a parent, you're that way, right? You, you, you want your child to have better than you. You want them to have some kind of status, some kind of respect, things, wealth. There's nothing wrong with these. There's nothing wrong with status. There's nothing wrong with respect. There's nothing wrong with things or wealth. But as a Christian, you can be deceived by the enemy in those things into thinking you're not somebody until you have those things when you're already somebody. When you become a Christian, you're somebody. Whether you have the things we, whether you have status, whether you have wealth, respect, whatever, as a Christian, you're already somebody. And you're somebody in the most important individual's eyes in this universe, and that's God's eyes. Being, being important in His eyes, ha having status in His eyes, having respect in His eyes, having wealth in His eyes, having things in His eyes is extremely important. But the devil wants you to think like he, Eve took a look and said, hmm, boy, that looks good. You smell, man, that smells good. Oh, man, and you know what? What made her think that fruit would give her wisdom? Yeah. See how the devil plays it? The devil will play it where you think because you forget who you are. God's already given you provision. He's already given you these things. So you're somebody not by your own merit. We just read the scripture. You're already purposed because of the merit of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. You're already purposed. To me, people in this world are looking for purpose. You should look for your purpose. Look for your purpose in God because then every purpose in your life gets fulfilled. P people have problems all through life because they never let the purpose in God and them be fulfilled. And when God's purpose is fulfilled, everything takes its place. But when you try to fulfill this purpose or that, when you come to a personal purpose, then you get out of whack and you get out of place with what God's wanting to do. You have the most respectable, the highest calling that anybody could ever have in this world. And that's to be a child of God. That's highly respectable. Amen. To be a child of the Most High King, let's put it in our terms. To be a child of the top person, the biggest one, highest on the pole, 
So you have a very respectable position. Does the world see it that way? Who cares what the world thinks? Who cares what the world sees? Who cares if the, the world sees whether you're a Christian or not, or whether you're living for God? Who cares? If, do you really care about that? What the world thinks? If you do, then you're into personal purpose. You're living in personal purpose. We are, we are purposed in this world for one reason, and that is to finish or complete the work Jesus started. You and I are put here to finish and complete the work that Jesus started. He said, I've got to go. It's time for me to leave. Humanity for me on this earth is over. But that doesn't mean my humanity is over. But I'm no longer going to be on this earth. So since I'm leaving, guess what you get to do? Finish what I started. That's what we're doing here. We're finishing the work of Jesus. Maybe Adam and Eve's stumbling block was their own purpose. Maybe their whole problem, and he's being, maybe Eve was easily deceived, and Adam, being a doofus, just listened and didn't pay attention to what was going on. Maybe it's because they had personal purpose. They sought something that was within themselves. Maybe they weren't content with God's merit and purpose. Maybe they had their own idea. Well, sin just snuck up on me. See that? The devil just snuck up on Eve. I'm convinced this is not the first time that they knew of this serpent. It wasn't a surprise that this serpent came up talking to them. Sure he did. Who gave the serpent his name? Adam. There's, this is not, don't ever, sin never sneaks up on you. Don't, don't get that. That's a trick of the enemy. Sin looks for personal purpose. And when sin sees that personal purpose is there, then sin steps in, i.e., the tempter. When the tempter sees you after personal purpose rather than God's purpose, he's going to slide in there and go, well, you know what? You ought to do this. That's what he said to Eve. You ought to do this. After all, God, God just don't want you to be like him. He knows you'll have his wisdom, and he don't. And he'll slip in with all. Hath not God said? He will use God's own words. If you're in personal purpose, he will use God's own. Hath, that's what he asked Eve. Hath God not said? Personal purpose is really one word. There's a chicken called Pilgrims. Yeah, so you got get your attention here. Pride. Pride. That's what personal purpose is about. So can, can, let me ask you a question, and then we're going to move on. Can you accept that if you did nothing more in your job or your life for yourself, that what Jesus has done for you is enough? Can you accept that? That, what, that? that whatever he's done in your life is enough. That no matter if you never did anything, if you never accomplished anything else in your job, you never accomplished anything else in your life, he's done enough. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're talking about response and responsibility. The ability to answer the call. Matthew, verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, 
where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves, uh, they break through to steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust corrupt, nor thieves don't break in to steal. Verse 21, for where you're, this is the, the, the place I want to come to. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. A lot of times we, we acquaint that to, well, my treasure's money. Or my treasure's fame. Or my treasure's possessions. Or my treasure's... But listen, when you spend your time, your efforts, and your resources, that's where your heart lays. Wherever you spend your time, your effort, and your resources, that's where your heart is. We need to let that sink in a little bit. Pastor Don's wanting us to be at the church 24-7. No, just be in the church 24-7. You don't have to be up here. Just be in the church 24-7. That's critical. How much time do we spend in word and in prayer in purpose? How much time do I spend? Because where I spend my time is where my heart is. Who sets your agenda? Every day you have an agenda. If it's just to sleep in all day and be a slug, that's an agenda. <laughs> Every day you have an agenda. Who sets your agenda? Do you set your agenda? Or do you talk to God about it and let Him set your agenda? Well, that seems kind of foolish, Pastor, to ask God, where am I going to go today? Had Eve asked God that day, where do you want me to go? He would have redirected her from that tree. He would have taken away from peril. But she had a personal purpose. Adam and Eve had a personal purpose, personal agenda, and that leads to personal drive. Look at verse 6. And when the woman saw personal drive. They cared more about gaining personal wisdom than pursuing the purpose and their plan that God gave them. They were living out the purpose of God. Now all of a sudden they decided, Eve decides, I see something and now becomes personal. In other words, let's use a different term. Up until this point, they were living in God's will. Now it was not thy will be done, but my will be done. They change the purpose, the will. Then what happens? Look at verse 7. And here, here, here's what happens. When you, don't, when you don't have the responsibility, respond to the responsibility, these are the steps. This is what happens to us. Verse 7. And the eyes of both, the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So what happens is, well, now, now, a guilt sets in. Now, now, all of a sudden, a shame sets in. They realize they're naked, and so they hide themselves. Now, stop for a second. So God created them naked. Now, get this. I'm not a nudist. Somebody's going to come across here and go, I'm a nudist. God created them naked. That's how they were supposed to be. But when they took in personal purpose, personal purpose got them to thinking opposite of what God wanted them to be. God's intent was for them to live that way. 
God, it wasn't God's intent for them to become seamstress, sew fig leaves. It wasn't God's intent. Now, now they're in personal purpose. they got to hide now. And this is what happens when personal purpose becomes our life, not God's purpose. Guilt and shame. And guilt and shame, listen, those two are hand in hand. They're, they're brother and sister. Guilt and shame are always together. Some people spend their whole life running from their regrets and hiding their shame. Have you ever met that person? When you finally sit down with them and while they're so discouraged and distraught and have a hard time, it's simply because of the shame of something happened and the guilt of something they did and it keeps going on in their life and they keep bringing it up in their life. Guilt-driven people are often manipulated by past memories. People that are driven by guilt. When I was a manager for Home Depot, it was funny. You could ask people to do certain things. You could ask 10 people to do the same job and you could see the one that always felt guilty about themselves and who they were and what they could and couldn't do because they lived off of past memories all they could do is look at the job you gave them and and look at the past and how they failed and now they i'm going to fail this job because and they connect you see what that does guilt and shame does to your present because you're constantly connecting it to past memories the past controls their future is your past controlling your future? Because it shouldn't be. I have met more people that have this guilt and shame thing. And basically what it does, it, they punish themselves over it and sabotage the very future and happiness that God has. They sabotage. God, do, God doesn't sabotage. The devil doesn't sabotage. They sabotage their own life out of guilt and shame. They sabotage their very future. God's forgiving. The devil's only a tempter. He can't, the devil can't make you do it. When, when you allow that past to control your future and your present, you're doing nothing but sabotaging your own life. You have to go. You have to go. Are we products of our past? Yeah. We are. We are products of our past. You, you are who you are because of who you grew up with who your parents were, or who raised you, or, how, or, or what culture you grew in. That you're products of your past, but you can't be prisoners of your past. Don't, don't be a prisoner of that past. Listen, there was some growing up I did in the little town that I grew up in that I was a prisoner to, that I had to escape. Teachings that were given to me that, that, that were supposedly correct teachings that weren't correct. And I had to escape that prison. Otherwise, I would live in that past and sabotage my future. If I still believed like I believed back then, today, on those things that are wrong for my life, I would, my future, I'd have a whole different scenario going on right now. You see, the atoning blood of Jesus washes that past away. The atone, You know who brings your past up, right? And then you know who responds to it, right? So let's... You give the devil his due, but all he can do is bring it up. It's up to you to respond. If you respond to it, you know what he's, the devil's going? When you respond, you know what that is? When you're, when you're bass fishing out in the lake and there's a, there's a worm called the weedless worm, the hook's inside the worm, there's no exposed hook, and a bass will pick that worm up, you can feel it on the end because he makes a little tick, tick, tug. When he does, you set the hook. 
when you jerk that line, the hook comes out of the worm and hooks that fish right in the mouth. When you respond to your past, now he's got you, and he's reeling you in. You can fight. You can fight. I've had some bass that fought and broke my line. Sometimes the devil's going to hook you, but if you'll fight, you can break that line. You can, t- you, you can get loose from that thing. And here's another thing that a bass will do. Proven fact. If you, they break that line off and that hook's in their mouth, they know by nature how to go into weeds and open their mouth and run up in the weeds and turn their head sideways and jerk that hook out of their mouth. How, how do they? It's a God-given thing. Don't think God hadn't given you a given thing. Don't think God hadn't given you a given thing on how to turn loose of that hook that the devil snagged into your mouth. That's got, you, got, got a hold of you. Don't let your past control you that way. His purpose for your life is not limited by your past. Aren't you glad? After all, he took a murderer and made him the leader and deliverer of a people. Moses. Moses was a murderer. However you want to read it in the book. He killed a guy because the guy was beating up some of his people. That's called murder. And yet God took a murderer. God took a guy who was, well, how do you say this? Coward. I'm going to use the word coward. He took a coward named Gideon and made him one of the most successful persons in the Scripture. Gideon was actually a coward. But he became heroic and bold. Let's look at verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now fear's setting in. Not only are they ashamed, not only are they now fear's setting in. Here's there's a path, there's a pathway to to personal purpose that leads you down a really rocky road. Because now fear sets in when, you're, when you work off of personal rather than godly purpose. So had Adam and Eve done the right thing here? Listen, what if Eve came to Adam and said, Adam, I've, I've made a mistake here. I did what God, you told me God said not to do because God didn't tell Eve not to do it. God told Adam, and Adam was to relay the message. Man, everybody, yeah. Man, all the men are looking down. Every man, well, Darren's not. Every man in here is looking down because you know what? We don't want to take that responsibility. Mm, We don't want to respond to that responsibility. What is responsibility? The ability to answer the call. What if Adam would have said, woman, hold on a second. Let me get in touch with God here, and we got to make this right somehow. Would the story be different now? We would have a different book and a different story, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah. What a horrible thought, Darren. <laughs> but we wouldn't know any better. If you want to get an idea about, by the way, this is just, can I throw this out, about Adam and Eve and how they really were? You remember how you one and a half, two-year-old, when they learned to walk and run, you would tell them to go, let's go take a shower, and they had no clothes on, and they just ran around the house, and they had no clue? Adam and Eve, that's how they were, that same innocence. Had no clue, didn't care. Was enjoying life, 
running in the breeze. Now there's fear. If they'd have have done the right thing, fear would have been eliminated right there. Fear would have been eliminated right there had they done the right thing. But now they're imprisoned to fear because they're in this personal purpose. Personal purpose. When that happens, the enemy is going to do his best to keep you in this legalistic view. One of the things the devil will do is when he sees you make a misstep or a sin, whatever you want it is, is he brings legalism into your life. Now, what's God going to think about that? After all, God's holy. God can't be in that presence. God abhors that. God hates it. Are all these things true uh, so far? He abhors He hates it. He he. he all of these things are too are true, but you see that's where grace erased legalism. Grace erased legalism, but the the devil will bring you the idea of legalism, and and fear, 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 is a fertilizer. In and to legalism, some of us came out of a legalistic point of view. Think about it. Just think about it. What drove legalism in the place that we were in? Fear. If you don't do this, fear. If you do this, fear. And that's what legalism does. It just is driven, it's fertilized. It, it, it's the gasoline. But God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, has He? He's, he's given us a spirit of power. He's given us a spirit of love and a sound mind. All things that will destroy fear in your life power, a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of a sound mind, every single one of those will destroy fear in your life. Totally destroy fear because we don't have that spirit. What drives your life today? Is it self-ambition? That's, that's America. We're, we're self-ambitious. We're taught to be that way or be left behind. We won't be the top of the pole. We won't be the status quo. We won't even be above status. We won't be somebody important. Nobody's going to notice us. You're just another one of the group of the millions. That's how America makes you think. That's self-ambition driven by guilt and fear. Are you purposing to fulfill his purpose? Because as much as we hate this, we have personal purpose, and then there's God's purpose. And there's a constant warring that goes on, Paul said, between personal purpose, the flesh, and God's purpose, the spirit. It's a constant battle. It's constant. It's not something you went over today, and you've got it made the rest of your life. We all understand that. It's something you're going to battle every day. The thing is, are you going to respond to the responsibility? Do you have the ability to answer the call to God's purpose. Our purpose is tracking this way and tracking this way and tracking that way. God's purpose is tracking this way. After all, the Scripture said you were purposed before the world was even created. God already had that direction for you, set for you. But are we so ambitious within ourselves? Do we have such a motivation for ourselves? Do we need to see ourselves projected above that we're missing God's purpose? Do we go through hard times? Abs. Listen, without hard times, we're not going to learn patience. Think about this a second. When the money's flowing, you're purchasing. 
Say what you want. When the money's flowing, you're buying. When the money's flowing, it stakes instead of baloney. Y'all are looking at me like... <laughs> but when hard times come, we learn a little something. There's a purpose in hard times. We, we, there's a pay. we learn long-suffering in hard times. God is, not, God is long-suffering in that while we were yet sinners, God is long-suffering. Why does God need to suffer long? Why does God need to? Do you ever thought about that? If he's long-suffering, long-suffering is suffering long. better way to put it is that God puts up with you and 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 puts up with you. He's long-suffering. And sometimes that's hard times bring us to that. Well, we have to learn that there are some things that we're going to have to process through. One of the biggest things that we should learn from hard times is to be compassionate. And it's one of the hardest to learn. God's long-suffering. There's an end to all things, right? There's an end to all things. You know you're continuing in God's will and in His purpose when during the hard times you simply maintain a peace and a calm and a confidence that God's got you. That's when you know you're, you're tracking down that will. So people have asked me this, and people have asked, probably you have asked you this, how do I know when I'm in the purpose and will of God? What is my, you know it when in the hard times you're still keeping track. There's a calmness. You know God's going to take care of it. There's a peace and a calm. Is that easy? No. It's hard. You're human. It's where the flesh, self-purpose, is battling God's purpose. That, that's one of those battles. And you have to say, you know what? God's purpose, and He purposed me way before the world was ever created. And God doesn't make a mistake. And God's not foolish. And God doesn't do things to harm. When you can keep calm and understand that, you know you're following that purpose and will of God. Knowing your purpose actually simplifies your life. Staying in that purpose simplifies. It's when we get into our personal purposes, our life becomes very, very, very busy. God didn't intend it for us to be very, very, very busy. That was not His content. Knowing your purpose simplifies. It focuses your life. It motivates your life. Well, I'm going to be able to finish this. When, listen, when you have purpose, you have promise. When you have purpose, you now have promise. When you have promise, you now have hope. Purpose, promise, promise, hope. And when you have hope, you now have a future. You now have a future. So purpose brings promise that brings hope that brings a future. When Adam and Eve lived in their God purpose, think about this a second. Because this, this doesn't rationalize to us. But when Adam and Eve lived in their God purpose, what problem did they have? What situations of life did they run into? What animal tried to attack them and take them down and devour them? What, what, what problems did they had when they lived in their God purpose? 
God was their provision. No anxiety, no stress, no worry. They didn't have to punch the clock. They didn't have to take the check to the bank or direct deposit it. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Eve. Yeah, here's, here's the deal. Stop for just a second. Because you need to hear this from somebody other than pastor. We would have done the same thing. Darren's exactly right. We would have done the same thing. We can't blame anybody for our situation. That's the process of America. Blame somebody else. It's somebody else's problem. No, we would have done the same. But what happened when Adam and Eve decided to do their personal purpose? Now they had to go hide. Now they had to hide themselves. Now they were scared, afraid. Now they had fear. Now all of these situations now cropped up into their life. Can you imagine what that must have felt like to go from to spiritual turns to carnal. In other words, God's purpose turns to self-purpose. And now their whole thinking is not God's take care of me, but how can I hide from Him? The one who takes care of me and provides, how can I hide from Him? The one who's given me everything. I have no need. How can I hide from Him? Why do we do that? Now, we can look at Adam and Eve all, our, all we want, but we do the same thing. Why do we hide from God? He's the provider. He's the answer. He, he's, he's all provision. He's all those things. Why do we hide from Him? It's because of the God purpose or the self-purpose. The God purpose. And look at all. So the question today, and I can end with this with five minutes left. What is your response to your responsibility? Response is an answer to a call. Responsibility is the ability to answer the call. Do you have the ability to answer the call? Anybody have any thoughts, doubts, fears, unbeliefs? We have no record of how long it took Adam to name everything. You know, days, weeks, months, years, whatever. And then along comes a serpent that he had named. And God had given him the ability to have more knowledge than any other human being in the world. But he did not know good and evil. And so... Satan came along and threw that temptation in his way, and he's like, hmm, something I don't know anything about. Quick, quick poll. If you had it to do over, would you rather just not know the difference between good and evil? I would. <laughs> I'd rather not know the difference. God bless you. Let's take a little time. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.